Russ, how are you? Uh, are you reeling from being talked off the podcast on Wednesday? I don't know. Am I even being talked back in? Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, know. you like, just dropped off. No one told you to leave. You just well, the, got <laughs> talked off the cliff. My uh, ten minute way past when I'm supposed to get off alarm went off, and I was so mad. You know, you guys. The worst part is the fact that I go back and listen, and the fact that like when I finally do get to listen to it, I like how how absolutely nailed uh, like my my entire situation is. Like the way that you guys were talking about me being angry in the car going to work, the way that uh, you know I was gonna I was gonna be extraordinarily frustrated, and uh, yeah, I really did feel like the guy in the earthquake movie. Like I, I legitimately did. I got in the truck. I went upstairs. I muted Time the computer. Out. Why? Why is the why is the the person that walked off being interviewed first, Kyle? I feel like in a you got served scenario, like the winning dancer. Excuse me, you will not bully me anymore, Adam Lefko. Should be interviewed. Excuse me, first. I will stand up for myself right now I as I sit I on a couch. Sh- as I sit on a couch. I want to make sure Russ is able to still form sentences after that verbal beatdown he got. Okay, good. You know what the worst part was? I went upstairs, so I I meet the computer, and I said to my wife, she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, Adam is currently in the midst of a rant with little to no substance, and I can't get back in. (laughs) So not only is it that, like, any point that I just made is going to, like, be forgotten, but it was on the heels of, like, an Adam kind of, like, not waffling, but like Adam just kind of throwing back some generalities to kind of like, you know, spur further conversation, and I can't go back in. I actually thought about trying to call in on Chrome on my phone uh, from the car, but I knew that that would have messed up the tracks and it would have prevented the podcast from coming out on time. So I didn't do it. Man, yeah, all good excuses. Typical. Love excuses. Yeah, the thing was, Russ, you know, like... I think we all, I, I at least share your angst about the Sixers, and I'm sure we could talk about the another blown lead last night. But I, it just felt like you were you were coming with you come with half baked facts. I think that was that was They're my total issue. facts. But it's just a half baked premise, it, right? Right. You, you your theory is like your theory is baked, and the facts are baked, but they don't go together. You know, it's like you're baking cookies in a cake. You bake you bake like icing for cookies and cake for cake i don't i don't know yeah i don't know know how to bake okay you get what i'm saying you can't align your two baking you have two racks in the oven but they don't go together when they come out my baking powder and baking soda are reversed yes that makes for a bad cake the cake kind of collapses that said the sixers collapsed last night again 22 point lead i was happy because i didn't watch the game I went. I took the family to Christmas Village in Burnville. Lots of Christmas lights. Good for toddlers. For those of you who uh, who listen with kids, that does but, sound great. But where the fuck is Burnville? So you take four twenty two west, and oh then you get God, off at, at one eighty three. You get off at one eighty three, which is before sixty one. Both of those roads will take you up to the uh, Schuylkill County metropolis of Pottsville to go see the Yingling Brewery. But yeah, it's like way out there. There's there's like literally nothing in Burnville. Except for Christmas Village, which is fantastic. It was a, it was a great night. And then I came, I came back, and of course I did what I would always do, which is pull up Slack, and there was a Tyson Lennox Lewis kind of melee beatdown going on in our Slack chat. So I knew it was bad. Yeah, guys, guys were a little riled up after that loss yesterday. I didn't see it. I was following the score. Uh, I was actually out. The game was on like a far TV in the bar. I saw some of it. Uh, and then didn't see the end. Was listening on the radio, and check Slack, and I see everybody's cursing at each other over um, some people calling for like the Sixers to blow up the team, and other people being like, "Dude, it's fine, relax. It's it's a game, and half their players are hurt." So fun times, fun times. Adam, did you watch Thanks. it? Yeah, Russ. I want to know what level of DefCon you were at last night. I'm not that high. I'm not that high of a level. Is that because you got talked off it? No, day. it's it's because I knew that they were going into that game missing plenty of, of the pieces. Like, I, I was thinking about what Adam said on Wednesday, and he was trying to, to talk me into believing that the Sixers without Embiid is just a terrible team. And, like, to some oh, the extent... Team that, the team that has one win this season when he's not playing? That's... I don't know if that's true. It is true. 
But you can continue to believe her half. I think they're statistics. two and I think I think they're two and six. Well, I think you Without should finish two your and, point. Two and seven. ESPN stats and info twenty four minutes ago. Following the loss to the Raptors, the Sixers are now just one and seven without Embiid this season. Thirteen and ten with him in the lineup. Your your point, pull that. counselor. This is so, see. Hold on. This what, is the what? thing when we talked about when they traded up for Fultz, and we're like, you know what? Set aside Fultz's shoulder injury for a second. But we talked about the fact that like, all right, even if Embiid turns out to just be a career walking injury, they now have Ben Simmons who has superstar potential and a potential number one player who you know has all star potential if you know if not better if he ever figures out how to shoot and i know like i think we landed on the thing where it was like all right this is worth it because now they have two stars regardless you know a lot of this is built around Embiid, but if he's unable to go they still have two potential superstars in Fultz and Simmons even though they're losing a big piece in Embiid and i think what we're seeing is one just I, the continued reality that Embiid really isn't hurt like he didn't really hurt anything He's just, this is the nature of getting him ready for every NBA game. His body to this point, I mean, we, at some point we have to say, all right, this is four and a half years now since college, and he's gone back, foot, foot, knee, back. It's just, his body just is likely never going to be up to the rigors of the NBA. And the hope is that you can get him for 50 games a regular season and manage that load appropriately enough. So if and when they, they become a playoff team, you could hope that he could play 20-plus games in eight weeks or whatever it is. And who knows if that's even going to be a possibility. But like we're seeing how important he is to the process. And making matters worse, the fact that he's dinged up again, is the fact that Fultz hasn't played. And we now have no idea if this number one pick was worth it, will be worth it, can ever play, will play this year. Like we're, you know, That's what sucks about this. Because it's not just Embiid they're missing. They're missing one-third of, of this triumvirate in faults to, you know, from the beginning. Like, not to go like full process here, but like I understand being, being in the forest and just seeing the trees. But like long view here, it's, it's going to be hard to judge the Fultz trade. Like even if he comes back and plays the second half of the year, like I've, I've been firmly in the camp of saying that he's not coming back till after the All-Star break. And I, know, I know that's February, and that would be a disaster, but like, even when he comes back, I feel like the expectations for him are going to be astronomically high. Like, it's going to be all on faults. Let, let, let me pull back a second. When we came into the season, we were not setting unrealistic expectations for faults. We said, we can't wait to see what Ben looks like. We know that Embiid is going to be great. And faults is going to end up being able to be kind of like this most maybe the most under uh, under the radar first overall pick that we've seen in I don't know the last ten years, the spotlight isn't on him to fix this team. Well, in the absence of faults, and then especially in the absence of Embiid now, when you're starting to see guys who like are maybe like later rotational guys on good teams, I feel like people are going to be looking at him to kind of be like the savior of the season, and he's not going to be, right? Like. Point guards, no. point guards with like the exception of Ben. Ben has looked fantastic. He's looked way better than what you would expect a rookie point guard to look like. But like rookie point guards, see De'Aaron Fox, see Lonzo Ball. These guys take a while to develop, and like the idea that Fultz is going to be able to come in in the second half of the year and and like look like the player that we thought he would he would be, you know, coming out of Washington. Like, is he going to hit shots? Sure. But, like, I feel bad. I almost, I, I don't actually mean this, but I almost wish that Fultz would be out for the rest of the year because him coming back with what might be a corrected or a modified jump shot, if he doesn't hit shots in those first six games, people are going to be calling him a bust. And that trade is going to be impossible to really fairly evaluate for at least two or three years. Like, it's easy to say that it's a failure now because you're watching Jason Tatum shoot the lights out on maybe the best team or a top four team in in the entire league, but it, no it's one's calling be, him. I, I don't I, think anyone's calling him a failure right now. I, I think people people have already called that trade a failure because yeah. because you know what the other asset attached to it is, and you see what Tatum looks like. And there was always that thought coming out. You know, I don't know. It could have just been Danny Ainge misdirection, but 
that they might have taken Tatum first overall. And if the Lakers were locked in Alonzo, you could have had Fultz at three. Like, I'm just saying, those narratives are out there. I'm not saying that they're the, the majority. They, they are a, a maybe a, an increasingly, you know, vocal minority. All right, but I, I, I feel bad for Fultz. I think he's going to come into a really rough stretch. And part of it is because this team mishandles Joel Embiid. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again. I don't like the fact that this Brian Colangelo front office seems more concerned with Joel playing on nationally televised games and being available for them, and they run him through further injury. And then he doesn't play a bunch of games, and now they're, they're probably going to rush him back for the Christmas Day game. I think there's something to that. I agree with your, I mean, your false assessment, I think, is spot on. But, uh, you know, most people aren't judging it on this year. I mean, my point before that was more or less to the fact that, like, he really does need to be good because what we're seeing is the reality of Embiid being, like, just not someone in the long term you can count on. And any any game you get him out there for ever might just be a bonus, really. Like, that might be the way they have to look at it. If his... Because we now have a four and a half year sample size of a guy really who just simply can't stay healthy, healthy, which sucks. So in the long run, Fultz does need to be really good. Otherwise, you know the the, the process isn't going to work. It, you know it's not going to be just Ben Simmons, um, at least not you know anytime soon until he really truly develops a, a reliable jumper and can be a like league top five player. Um, I agree. I think the Sixers do deserve some some criticism about the. The way they message everything, the way they handle Embiid um, in terms of when he plays and when he doesn't. On the flip side, I would say people got all bent out of shape last year when they sat him for a home game and then played him on a road game, on a back-to-back. And Colangelo all but said, well, we're not doing that again. If if there's a back-to-back where he's playing the home game because our home fans want to see him. and. Like, I don't know what the right call is there. Um, it, you know, it, I get, but yes, I there there's too much of a pattern now where he does play the big national TV games and then doesn't play for a week. Um, but if he's going to play one game in a week, then yeah, I guess it should be the national TV game. So that's it's really hard I, to... That's what I'm not understanding, is, is why are people so bent out of shape of him only playing the national games and then taking a game off in between. Because it's not just a game. Like, when, when he got hurt last year with the, the knee, he played that Houston no, game. No, I know that. And, that, twice, that. and then that, he missed time. And but I'm talking about, like, right now. Like, Russ, you've brought up the last two shows. You'd be like, I bet you he plays the national game. Like, why is that such an issue? Because he's missing four games in between. Yeah, I don't but, know like, how that he's, but like, he's missing games anyway. I think Russ's I'm not, point because, is because that... Because I'm not so sure that if that Monday game, like if they hadn't been playing Christmas Day, if their next game hadn't been until Tuesday on NBC Sports Philly, I'm not so sure that he's not playing last night or he's not playing on Saturday. I, I think they I think they are hell-bent on the fact that they want him 100% for that nationally televised game. I think that that's, entire, like, that's the entire reason, Adam. That's it. I, I don't know if that's because, true, but I agree. I, I actually agree with Russ on this in that, you know, it, there's been enough occurrences now where he has played the one national game. You look at the Thunder game. Does he play that Thunder game last week if that is a Bucks tilt in Milwaukee? Uh, I, I suspect does he play not. All, does he play all three overtimes? Like, we had we had this debate before. Oh, well, forget about the overtime. And, if he's in the game, I think well, he does play the overtime. I do. If you're, if you're playing and you're in the heat of the battle, I think they just keep him in there. But, you know... I do think there there's a reasonable case to be made that if that's not a national TV game, he doesn't play. For instance, he was listed. He basically had the same status going into that game as he did yesterday. Now, granted, we have no idea how his back was actually feeling, but it was probable, questionable, his back hurts, whatever, and then it's going to be a game-time thing. Well, no one was real surprised to see him play against the Thunder, and no one was real surprised, I guess, maybe some people were, to see him not play last night. So I, I think there's something to that. On the flip so- side, it's like, all right, well, if you got to choose the games to play them, I guess it should be the national game. My, so my I, question I see is both this. Sides here. We entered the season being told he was going to be on a minutes restriction, and then you're upset that his minutes are being restricted. Also, one could argue that the New York Knicks will be fighting for one of those last playoff spots, and a win over them could be very vital. I just think it's funny how you're getting upset that 
oh, he's only playing a certain amount of minutes. He played a lot of minutes in a game against the Thunder on national TV, and I knew they wouldn't play a lot of minutes in between. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, they told us they were going to do this. And now you're shocked. Because, uh, Adam, he played more minutes in that Oklahoma City game than an entire regulation basketball game. You can't... Okay, you then, can't, he, then he play more minutes. Can't. So that means they're going to have to take minutes away from somewhere else. You're just... They told us they were going to do this, Russ, and you're upset that he's no, not playing the b They sides. said it because they said it in the beginning, and then he said seven games into the season, it's not a minutes restriction anymore. They They explicitly said it's no longer a minutes restriction. He I said, "I'm on. I'm. I'm on a plan. It's I, not I, like." They, so, are, they so not, are you listening to every word they say, or are you reading between the lines? I was because listening earlier, to what No, said. because earlier you said that you don't believe them and that they're going to play the national games, but now you're believing every word to the testament. So, which one is it there? If or do you want to log off? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was. A or joke. do you want to log off? <laughs> that was a joke. No, because if I log off, then people are going to end up believing your BS narrative that you've created. Uh, what is my BS so, narrative? I'm asking you a question. Well, let me pull up Joel's minutes per game stat. Do you want me to like pull up every no. game he's played? No, because like, the, the statistics aren't... I'm asking just for your opinion. I'm saying that my, my issue is they came into it saying minutes restriction. I agree. They then said, it was mostly Joel was the one who said, I'm not on a minutes restriction. Stop calling it a minutes restriction. Do you remember that? He mm-hmm. clapped back at the media. He said it's it's more of a management thing. It's based on how my body feels. They have not held him to that minutes restriction, which is fine. He was he like you would assume that in a typical minutes restriction plan, you would ramp up just like any player would coming back off injury, which is why he played so many more minutes in in games. He wasn't holding to twenty minutes or twenty three. So like I don't think it's a, a necessarily a matter of me believing or not believing that the team would ramp him up. Like that's. My my whole thing is I just don't trust that the motives behind the way that they've played him in games or the timing of of games is you know exactly fair to the fan. I don't know. There's four games he's going to play in two of them, and those two games happen to be on national television. Like I don't expect Embiid to play every game. Like you, I don't. You, I, I feel don't like either, you'd rather. But... I feel like you'd rather Embiid play 17 minutes in every game. No, that's not exactly true. I mean, the difference is that, like, the, the team plays, like, what is it, a 62-win team when he's in the lineup versus, like, a 9-win team when he's not. So there is something to be said for him being a presence. Like, availability is a very, you know, uh, large part of this. All right, let me, because uh, I'm hearing both your points, and I think you both have, I think you both have points, and I, I think you're both partly missing what the other is saying. This, what? Uh, if I'm understanding Russ, Russ is not upset necessarily about the fact that he's on a he's having his load actively managed. Okay? And Adam, you're saying, okay, the Sixers are have said this all along. I don't get what the big deal is. Obviously he's not playing every game. I think Russ's point here is that the it's not about the fact that he's missing games in between or the fact that he's missing games. It's the fact that he may not have played in that. Like the Thunder, you can make the case the Knicks are obviously a, a conference and, and divisional rival, and that makes sense why you'd want to play him against that. Can't make that case for the Thunder. The really, the only case you can make is that it was national TV. You can go back to the Rockets game last year, which, you know, at this point they knew he had a knee injury. And it was the one game he played with that knee injury, and then he winds up being out for the season. And I think they've kind of acknowledged that mistake, or at least sort of there's been an implicit for acknowledgement sure. that, oh, shit, maybe that wasn't a good idea. Um, and to date, the Thunder game is kind of looking like that. Because this load management thing, there's not a pool of minutes that, okay, we have to. he has to get this many minutes. It's just about keeping it like his body supp- suppressed as much as they can so it doesn't act up and they can get as many games out of them as possible. I don't doubt their intentions. There's no doubt that the Sixers would much rather have him beat healthy than play, um, you know, than have him play in one or two national games. And I don't think there's some vast conspiracy to just milk ratings for a day. Like that's, that is overblown. How, you know, for them, it is absolutely more important. And I can guarantee you the people at that practice facility are focused on making sure he is healthy in the long term. I don't doubt that. 
But I do think what Russ is saying is there is sort of this implicit pressure in games like that Thunder game to be like, he's he's questionable. We have this all-day ESPN thing. It's a national TV game, big stars. And sure enough, it was a great game, but like he shouldn't have to miss four games after that. I know he played 50 minutes, but I think Russ's point is like, all right, you know, you really pushed it for, for what reason here? Like, what other than the fact that this was kind of a marquee game on the schedule? And now look what happens. The load management is real, yes, but it really shouldn't be four games. Like, he actually aggravated a back thing, and now he's he's missing up to a week and a half. So is um, the four games fall on the Sixers for playing him too much or for his body not reacting well? Because my thing would also be I think it's important for the Sixers in a playoff atmosphere type of game to have a tired Embiid and kind of see what that's like. Because if this is the case and we get to the playoffs and he plays 48 minutes in that first playoff game and then he misses the rest of the series, you know, like maybe it was important to see if in an atmosphere like that how he would hold up. So here's the issue. If we if we go purely on playing time, the 23rd game of the season, it was not his 23rd game, he played 34 minutes against Phoenix. The next game, that set a, a, a high. I oh, know it didn't. Sorry, there was one that was 35 earlier. It was one of his highest. 36 minutes against the Lakers was the most minutes that he had played in the season. He missed two games. He came back, he played 39 minutes, which I think set a career high for him. Then, like, the next game, after playing 39 minutes, he plays 48. So, yeah, like, I think it's pretty safe to say that, like, his body hasn't reacted well to going above, like, 35 minutes. Russ, but I, I also think what you're somewhat implying here is that, like, you know, Scott O'Neill is over there whispering in Brett Brown's ear, hey, you got to play no, here. Not, on no, ESPN. no, no, that's not. That's okay, the that's, vibe you're that's giving. How, that's the vibe that's you're how saying. it's coming off. That's not what I mean. Yeah, because right. my, my thing I is just, I just like, feel like we're understand. blaming the team for Embiid's body failing. That's fair. That's fair. No, but I, I, think, I, I think what I'm trying to get at here is – you had multiple games of him setting a high for minutes played. And after the 36-minute game, he did not play for two. Then you played him more minutes when he came back. And then the next game, you played him more than a regulation game. And so, like, I, I understand why the team would want him to play a nationally televised game. I don't disagree. I think he should have played against Oklahoma City. But my, my point this entire time has been, I did not like watching through three overtime periods. Every time that play stopped or every time he went to the bench for a timeout or in between overtimes, his back was seizing up. And like, that's something I could see them playing him through in a playoff series, but in a game against Oklahoma city, it doesn't matter. And like to your point earlier about how important the Knicks game is because the Knicks are going to be, you know, fighting for one of those final playoff spots. That's valid and everything. But when you don't play him against bad teams and your team, like if, if your point on Wednesday was that the Sixers are not a good team without Joel, you simply cannot afford to lose to Chicago. You cannot afford to lose... Like, you can't afford to lose these games that they've been losing. That's it. Uh, like, that's, uh, point, for, point for Russ there, because they, they've now lost multiple, you know, they've multiple lost eight bad out of games nine. to bad teams. Yeah. It's been eight out of nine games they've lost, four straight. And, and like, well, I'm, not, I'm not upset about last night, because Toronto was a very good team. All right, hold, Toronto hold up for pop, a sec. Well, hold, hold on. No, no, no. Because this is, Just give me a sec. Because... Toronto, when you lose to a good team, you lose to Oklahoma City, I'm not that, like, in in the grand scheme of things, I'm not that upset because I think Oklahoma City is going to be a playoff team in the West, which is a much more difficult conference. You lose to Toronto at home, I was surprised that the Sixers had a lead. I, I couldn't understand, I, so I kept asking Slack, I don't understand how they had a 22-point lead. They're ab- absolutely going to lose on Saturday in Toronto. Toronto's a very good team, and I don't have a problem with them losing those games, especially without Joel. But if you are going to make the calculated, you know, calculated decision to play a guy in a game and he can't play against bad teams and your roster isn't good enough to to beat the Chicago's of the world, then like that to me is an issue because those are games you have to win if you're going to be a legitimate playoff team. You're bringing up, you see, you're you're basically you're bring no, you're bring, he's bringing up a, a real issue here in that the philosophy, you know, to be clear, there's not some grand conspiracy to only play and beat against the good teams. And I, I know that's not what you're saying, Russ, but I think that might be the vibe, you know, that 
you, you could be giving off because there is definitely like a Twitter vibe of people who feel that way and tweet the Sixers about that stuff, which would be unfair because that's not really not the case. There is sort of this implicit pressure, though, on games like those Thunder games, on game like the Christmas games where you're on the fence and in a normal regular game, would you would you take the risk? Maybe not. They probably don't play him in that Thunder game if that's not the big game that it is. So, like, there there is a, a reasonable criticism there without, you know, going off the deep end and saying, you know, they're doing this intentionally, they don't care about him, like all that stuff. But you do bring up a good fundamental question, which is, and I, I don't think anybody has the answer to this, it's how do you manage Embiid? How do the Sixers manage Embiid? Do you just play him against teams you know if he plays they're gonna win like you know against the kings and and the shitty you know shitty teams that you should rack up wins against and then you just say all right you know what we got a game coming up against the warriors as great it would be to see him play why don't we just sit him for that because it's probably an l anyway like if you're managing the schedule in that regard and you're trying to rack up wins maybe you just play him against the games that are absolutely winnable and the real tough games if you have to sit him you know, you err on sitting him on the Thunder game rather than the Bulls game because you know you probably got to win against the Bulls if he plays. Well, no, that's that's a question that I don't think anyone has an answer to, but it's a it's definitely a consideration as to how you know when do you sit him, when do you not, and then you factor I'm, in the I'm home game thing, the trying. national TV thing, and it it complicates it. There's a, there's a lot of factors at play here because you also want to keep fans happy. You know, I'm they, not trying they to say do that they shouldn't play have played Oklahoma City. Like he, he should have played that game. I, I get. It. I, I get I'm what saying, you're saying. I'm saying that the overtime management, the minutes management, if it had been like Milwaukee or something, I think would have been different. Okay. Um, let's take a second and tell you about Cozy Jewelers. Uh, December twenty second. You have time is running out. Quite frankly, to get anything for Christmas, uh, if you're like the sweet me, sweet always stresses stresses me out. Did you get the ring? The clock is ticking. Cozy's waiting. We're creating a sense of urgency. Um, If you're like me, you wait until the the number two shows up in the tens column in December before you start your Christmas shopping. So you might still be early. Today's only the 22nd. Uh, I would recommend (laughs) going to uh, family-owned and operated Cozy Jewelers located in the heart of Newtown Square in the Edgemont Shopping Center. Uh, I guarantee you they will be open today and tomorrow and Potentially, I don't know this for sure. I shouldn't hold them to it, but maybe on Sunday um, to get something for your significant other. Better yet, um, if you are thinking about getting engaged for the holidays and you don't have a ring yet, then shame on you. Don't get engaged. You're irresponsible. However, if that is something you're thinking about for next year at some point and you're one of your resolutions or goals or implicit acknowledgments in your head is that you're going to get engaged, well, um, go into Cozy while you got some time off over the holidays. Start looking at the process of building out a custom diamond engagement ring. They will walk you through the process, tell you how they source their diamonds, show you, um, you know, basically just walk you through it. Believe me, there's there's a lot to know, and it's and it's a big expense. Uh, if you do that and you go in and mention Crossing Broad or Crossing Broadcast, uh, you will get and buy the ring there, the women's custom diamond engagement ring. You will get a free men's cobalt wedding band. Uh, which is definitely something after the fact you're going to realize is is well worth it. So um, go into Cozy. Tell them we sent you. Cozy, C-O-Z-Z-I, Jewelers.com, located in the heart of Newtown Square. Thanks to them for uh, sponsoring the pod. Um, one, two Cozy more. Jewelers, they won't log off in the middle of a conversation. There you go. Uh, two more. Um, we are going to have uh, a, a another new sponsor with a live event coming up in January. Uh, we'll tell you about that probably over the next week or two. Should be fun. Everyone listening, reading the website, whatever, will be invited. Uh, it will include delicious food, and we'll also be giving away a giant um, Super Bowl spread of, of delicious tailgating-style food. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Speaking of tailgating stuff, we also want to thank Amerigas, which is the nation's number one propane provider, available at over 55,000 locations. Uh, particularly Home Depot and 7-Eleven. They are giving uh, Crossing Broad readers and Crossing Broadcast listeners uh, a tailgating prize worth over $500. This is really cool. All you got, They want to be your tailgating provider. They want to power every single tailgate in the country, no doubt about it, with their Amerigas propane. So go to crossingbroad.com slash. Someone told me it's a forward slash, not a backslash. Whatever the slash is in the URL, slash Amerigas. 
All you got to do is hit the link there, enter your name and email address, and I think your zip code, that's it, and you'll be entered to win $500 worth of prizes, which include a portable grill, a portable heat lamp, two tailgating chairs, a propane hose to hook it up to. All you got to do is buy your propane tank to power this tailgate, and $200 worth of apparel from the Crossing Broad store. Um, so all in all, we will we will outfit your tailgate. We will provide the mechanism on which to cook, on which to sit, and on which to stay warm. All you got to do is buy some hamburgers and a propane tank, and you're good to go. So check that out. We'll be announcing the winner of the week leading up to the Eagles' first playoff game. Call it around January 12th or thereabouts. Um, and uh, keep an eye out for another giveaway we're going to have and live show uh, thanks to a, a new sponsor, which we'll tell you about uh, in the coming weeks or so. Nice. Before we move on to a mini year in review, Russ, do you want to fight me about iPhone? No. Since you're spunky today? No? Cause what? 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 I'm like a, am I really that much like a dog? Yes. People pull out Twitter right now. Response. Yes. Not you don't want to fight me about the iPhone? I don't even I, intend I'm on getting confrontational my, today. I don't, I'm feeling good we, about my stance on this one. Just you, about the fact that like Apple slows down their phones? Like, fine. And then I knew I knew the second that I shared that that you were going to jump all over it. Well, you tweeted like, look, me directly and asked for well, yeah, a response. So what did, yeah, I didn't I mean, jump all over I mean, it. I yeah, yeah, like real, a, real Missinelli move by you. By me or by him? I don't know. I just made it up. Can we talk about that really quick? Because yeah, that's, that's a little bit it. that's that's a little bit more <laughs> I think a little bit more relevant to the podcast. Mike Missinelli sure. going to NBCSN on uh, simulcast in, in what, simulcast in 2018 so wait how many how, how many hours a day is it? oh i think it's necessary it's three it's three out of the four hours of his show are going to be simulcast yeah i Which, think this is necessary i think well we had didn't we talk before about putting cameras up in 97.5 yep maybe did we? i feel like yeah. that was a summer okay. thing over over the summer we talked about like why local stations don't do that i think we had especially said like tcn no, ca- Which, you know like, it's funny. Do someone tweeted me yesterday. They're like, "Oh, they must listen or read the site." I forget what it was, and I was thinking, "Did did someone? Did we mention that? Like, did someone write that or mention that?" So I guess we did. I okay. don't know. I just remember discussing the the rumor that there were cameras going up in ninety seven five. I think. Okay. Yeah, I th- I think we had talked about it. And we talked about the fact that like some of them were using like Periscope for different parts of the show. Yeah. Okay. I I think it's a smart move what they're doing. First of all, I have no idea what. NBCSN, SN Plus, CSN Plus, Plus Comcast Plus shows between two and five. I'm guessing it's just infomercials or reruns and taped, you know, programming that very few people are watching. There's almost, I can't imagine, you know, I don't know exactly what the what their deal is. I, I imagine it's not significant either way. Literally, all you have to do is throw a few cameras and like, that's it. And it, you, well, have you, also, you also TV need show. like graphics and producers and directors and all that stuff. Okay, so but, you know, but yeah, yeah, it's a little bit more than that. But I, it, you're right in terms of like the creation standpoint, it's all done by him. Like he's already doing a rundown, he's already doing a show topic, he's he's pretty much doing a show. But in terms of making it aesthetically pleasing, there's a lot of stuff going on. But you're also you're not adding talent like you're not you know right. you know you don't you don't you're probably not gonna have camera guys you're probably you're not adding any additional talent and quite honestly I don't know uh, yeah there's gonna have to be graphics and you know a little bit but I don't know how much they're actually gonna produce that like uh, I asked no, I mean and, like it's it's missionality show is pro- oh you mean like the graphics and stuff well I, I I actually reached out to Mike and asked I'm like is the format gonna be different is this gonna change and he's like I I, I don't know. <laughs> was the short answer. I don't think it's starting until March. It sounds like it was starting soon. It's not, I don't think, for at least a few more months. Um, don't quote me on that, but the press release made it seem more imminent than I think it is. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know how much production value they're actually going to put into it. It might just be static cameras and, you know, just a little graphic when it comes to and from break. I don't know if it's going to be the thing like the Dan Patrick show or whatever where there's, you know, genuine... Um, on-screen graphics and stats and you know video overplaying while he's talking about certain players and stuff that would be the right way to do it and that might be what they're doing or it might just be they're throwing cameras up either way it's a low-cost way to to sell more ads and get more live programming and i think it makes i'm surprised it took this long it just seems to make a ton of sense it's crazy to me that it took this long in in a city like philadelphia that's as in love with talk radio as any city 
where in New York, we I was able to watch Francesa live or even the Michael K show live. You have Tiki and Tierney that's live. So CBS is doing it. NBC is doing it. Um, and then like Boston, they have a live talk show. And yeah, just it also makes sense for the uh, NBC block to go from Miss and to Philly sports talk. It's a good lead in for their talk show. Um, that they could do a lot more stuff with, but and Mike yeah, and Barkan th- hate each other, which is beautiful. Really? Do they really hate each other? Miss Anelli in Philly Mag called Barkan. Barkan called him out for his tweet on uh, Victor, Cruz. Victor Cruz a few years ago, and Mike responded in a column in Philly Mag calling him a marginally talented circus barker who wow. wouldn't have a job or you know would be useless without a teleprompter. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so uh, that's that's his new uh, lead-in. That's great. bullshit. I'll always take Barkin's side. Fuck Missinelli. NBCSN, uh, bringing you General Knowledge Wednesday to TV. Well, and the other thing is, you're right. Why did it take so long? But we're no a city, sound off. We're a city Sad. that has two live sports networks. Like, the fact that they're not filling it with easy programming like that doesn't make a ton of sense. The only thing I could think is that with regards to WIP, and I know now it's no longer – Daily News Live, it's it's you know it's a landing place for everyone or most people in Philly media as long right. as you don't piss enough people off. Um, it, it's uh, CBS owned WIP and obviously you have Comcast, NBC. So I'll, I'm sure there was something there as to why there's never been a larger, a truly large partnership with WIP other than their personalities showing up uh, on the air. And Greater Media was, had always owned 97.5. And for the last year or whatever it's been, it's been Beasley. Uh, and I'm guessing, you know, this this was put together by the folks at Beasley, not just, uh, you know, not just 97.5. So it might have to do something with an ownership change and the fact yeah. that Specifically, CBS and NBC. Like that might be why this has never happened with the. Yeah, the WIP the, the show reason it's never happened is is you need the TV station to go on, and like you're saying, they never had a relationship before, and now it's there. Right, but it's you know it's part of that because prior, at least I'm not talking about 97.5 here, but one is owned by CBS, the other is owned by NBC. You're, you know, then everybody gets so territorial about that stuff. So who knows? Right, makes sense. Um, Mini year I got I got oh. I got I got head out. What was your moment of the year, Russ? Yeah. Talked off? Getting talk getting talked off the podcast. <sighs> Favorite podcast topic of the year. Shit, I'm not ready for this. Yeah, Russ? I thought we were doing this next week. Nope, we're doing it right now. <laughs> Favorite podcast topic of the year. Uh, oh man. I don't know. I, I really Gabe, don't like this. Gabe really... Kapler's uh uh health tactics. What noise was that? That was the uh, 11-month-old probably getting ready to eat some eggs. Oh, that was an excited yell? That was an excited one, yeah. Nice. I'll have a new mic for the new year. That'll yeah, be what, what, what was Gabe Kapler's uh, stuff that coconut, he uses? Coconut oil. That was a good one. I coconut oil is your top topic of the year? I don't know if it's my top. It's definitely up there. I got to say Philadelphia Union was, uh, I'm just kidding. Did you see uh, Kapler's know. hug? No, oh, with the uh, with oh with God, Slam Tana, yeah, it is you got it. Seventeen point six seconds. It was sensual in public. Embrace nice. and embrace. Kyle, they were whispering in each Carlos, other's ears. I shit you not. Carlos, Kyle probably come know. here. Hug me, Carlos. We will have this hug. Hug me. Yes, we will have this hug, Good and it hug. will release endorphins into your bloodstream. Can you imagine Gabe Kapler on a date? Hi, I'm Gabe. I am the manager of the Phillies. Do you like coconut oil? Me too. <laughs> this is great conversation. Can you see my veins? They're bulging through. Kyle Scott. My suit. Check out this article about me in a tight polo. Um, um, I he- think, let me, really quick, my, my favorite topic I think this year, if we're really doing this right now, is the month of November. Oh, like the entire is going well? <laughs> yeah, like when it was actually enjoyable to be a Philadelphia sports fan. As we like, I think that was it. We were, we, were riding, we were riding the high of Carson Wentz. We were... I, re- I really enjoyed... Wow. 
Yeah, January we didn't have a team that was contending for a Super Bowl, and then their best player got hurt. Uh, I would say the uh, the draft talk, the Fultz trade, because that was probably the first. Oh, yeah, real, that was exciting. That was the first real sports story we had a chance to talk about. We were doing this for a few months, and it was you know the middle of of nowhere in sports season, and then all of a sudden you have the draft to get excited about, and the Sixers trade up to get Fultz, and there was just a lot to talk about then. So that was I enjoy that stuff. I think sometimes it's hard to talk about when teams are just killing people or when teams are just struggling. Like sometimes it's hard to get conversations out of certain things. Um, like to the Embiid thing we talked about today was good because I feel like it's the sort of thing where you can have opinions on and there's there's different ways to approach it, both in terms of the conversation and in how like the team handles it, how Embiid handles it. There's a lot that goes into these things. Whereas, you know, we come on here the morning after a twenty point drubbing, and you're like, Wow, they look so good and then you're like, Okay, well how do we how do we actually talk about this? Is this really a conversation or is it oh, just something that happened? Think so think about the Phillies. The Phillies would be like, Well, at least Reese Hoskins hit a home run last night. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah, and there's Actually, not enough you guys controversy go, or interest right now. You though. guys yelling about players playing positions and then and then them actually switching players' positions was good. That might be Russ's high point. That might be his high watermark on the podcast. I think it was, too. Calling the third base shift or whatever whatever they wound up doing. Yeah, that worked out well. And he was all – I mean, he I, to Russ's credit, his, his banging on Ben Simmons has now become in vogue. Um, you know, with it being a topic now on Mike Missanelli, how he should shoot more, you know, and not that it's surprising for anybody, um, but, uh, you know, R- Russ was leading the charge on on preemptively banging on Simmons, and sure enough, here we are. It's a topic now. Well, so. it's like they always say, what's said on crossing broadcast becomes the talk for all of Philadelphia. I don't know who's saying it, but I think somebody's saying it. I think more people listen than would uh, would than we would know. I think you're right. What is up to like twenty thousand an episode? What's that? <laughs> Our podcast? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we wish we wish we had twenty thousand. Kyle, episodes. you're supposed to say it's actually more. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, marketing. What's <laughs> well, you gotta be honest. I'm a, I'm a, I, I, uh, you gotta be honest. We're not a twenty thousand an episode. We would love to, if we were twenty thousand an episode three times a week. We would be, uh, we'd be cashing in the advertise, you know, big time advertising dollars. Hey, but I like the ones we got. They're I good. love the ones we got. Wait, so which side did you go on the Joel Embiid resting stuff? Did I? Did I, I don't think I took a side. Yeah, so I want you to take one now. I don't uh, know if we even were on different sides. No, I don't think. I get where Russ is coming from. To. Like, I just feel like it's not that he's missing games. I don't, there's not that there's some grand conspiracy, but I do think, you know, I, there is, there's this implicit pressure for him, for the team, for the coaching staff in these games like the Thunder game, the Christmas game, the Rockets game last year, where he's on the fence and they're so cautious with him otherwise, like so cautious with him for years now. And with everybody, I mean, the thing with Fultz is getting ridiculous, and that's something we didn't even talk about. Like, it, it was this supposed to be kind of a max of six week thing? Is he hurt or is he not? The fact that we're not getting an update now till the end of the month, because I asked Kevin about it yesterday, he said they're not expecting an update until sometime around New Year's, which I'm sure will come before a 10:30 game when the Sixers are on the West Coast and it's the holidays and no one's going to notice. I, I, you know, I, I suspect that's when the announcement's going to come that he's going to be continue to miss time. But that is a real, like, what's going on? Is he hurt? Is this just a thing where they want to get him right and treat him like a, a Euro stash and sit him for a year? We really, we honestly don't know. But I don't think there's some grand conspiracy on their part at all. Um, I, I know they're well-meaning and and obviously care about the long-term health of Embiid, not only for him, but for the, the entire franchise. But at the same time, it does feel like these decisions where he plays 48 minutes against the Thunder or just plays in the game in general or where then he misses four and now will likely come back for the Christmas game. You know, and there's I don't think it's unrealistic to think that he comes back for the Christmas game, 
and then misses the next two games because he wasn't quite ready. I'm not, I don't know if that's the case, but I do think there's something there where there have been mistakes in, you know, they've been so cautious and then occasionally it's just like, well, let's throw them out there against the Rockets. Let's play them, you know, let's play 50 minutes against the Thunder, you know, and I, I'm with you. I defended them playing him in overtime. Like the game already started, he's playing, but, you know, did, that, that may have had an impact. Like, I joked that he wasn't going to play for a week. Now it's going to probably wind up being a week and a half, maybe more. Uh, and he's going to miss four games in between. You know, it's, you know, yeah, it's just a, it sucks. It's because a tough reality is what it is. It's exactly what it is. It's no one's fault. No one wants this. Right. Um, and it, but it just really sucks. What it comes down to is it sucks because you have this superstar who just physically may not be able to, his body may not be able to withstand the rigors of an NBA season. And I know the Sixers are trying their hardest every game, between every game, every day, to just like literally manage his body, to get him ready. It's like, um, you know, someone compared it to me to the difference between having a Honda Accord and having like a Bentley or a sports car, where you could drive that Accord every day. It's never going to wow you, but it's going to go out there and work every day. And then you got this other thing where it is going to wow the shit out of you, but you can't take it to work every day and drive it over potholes. Um, that's the way I heard it described, and I think that's a good way to put it. And you it know, really will you need be both. fascinating if this team makes the playoffs. What happens on a game-to-game basis? Because if you think right now we're talking about managing time, man, on a where every game is vital. What if they only? What if he only plays two or three games? What if he's like a starting pitcher, and he plays like games one and game four and game seven? You know, it's that's that's wild. Yeah, and and if you know, who knows though? Does he does he just play through this sort of pain in the playoffs? I think that's their goal. Like they want to manage him to the point where once the playoffs roll around, um, you know, he's just going to have to play through these things, and it's not worth doing that in the regular season. It's not worth him aggravating his back injury in the regular season. Whereas in the playoffs, it might be. You know that that there's something to that. I don't know. It sucks. It sucks. What's your it moment does. of the year? Um, topic of the year. I think, I, think, I think that the, 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 what 2017 is for me with Philadelphia sports is the, the realization by everybody that Carson Wentz is actually the guy. Because I remember spending a lot of time in August with you guys talking about critics like Cian Fahey and all of these, even these reporters that were in Philadelphia that were questioning Carson Wentz. And for me, this is personal, just being the guy that was like, no, Carson's incredible, like all offseason. And then for that actually to happen and for the city to really not it went from like hey i hope carson wentz is good to like carson wentz is everything and it just gives me so much excitement for like the next 10 years so to see that actually come to fruition was pretty special because um you know it's just it, it, it's a completely different team for the next decade now that was something cool to watch unless he never bounces back from his acl injury i'm just kidding I got a I got an iTunes comment on Simzalefko that was like it listed all of the quarterbacks in history that didn't get ACLs, and it said that Carson Wentz's uh, ego is what led to this, and I was just like dying of laughter. It was, I think it was a complete troll job, but I appreciated it. To be fair, plenty of people had said, you know, he's got to stop putting. He he took a lot of hard hits. He didn't have to take sure. this year. And- and that cost him. And you saw Ajayi said it on the sideline. That's a play as smart as he is and as big as he is. That's a play he probably doesn't make as a five-year veteran diving, you know, diving yeah. in like that. I would, Maybe he I, does. I, Maybe it's a big game. But I knows? would just say to Carson Wentz over and over again, I would say, Carson, let me tell you a story about a quarterback named Andrew Luck that was exactly you where you were. And do you know what Andrew Luck did this year? He was in Europe trying to get alternative forms of medicine to play football again, and that still might not happen. 
I need you to be more careful. But the problem is, is it's part of what makes both of those guys amazing is they're willing to sacrifice themselves at any time. But what exactly what I think what we're saying with Embiid is we got to save it for what is the right time. And then it gets back to your question, which I think really is the big question is what is the right time in a regular season game? Because playoffs go all out, sacrifice your body, go for the championship. But is it, do you play them during winnable games? All that stuff. It all comes full circle. Concur. What is yours? I told you, the Fultz, I enjoyed, not, it was not our uh, story of the year, but I enjoyed uh, talking about the, the Fultz and the draft. Yeah, the Fultz, the Fultz trade was like an incredible moment. That really was. That was exciting stuff. When you think back to that and the fact that he hasn't played yet, it's both a it's it's a good thing and a bad thing. It sucks that he hasn't played, and on the flip side, it's like remember remember how much at that time we thought this meant, and it probably does would have meant. You know that guy is still waiting in the wings. It might be it might be like Ben Simmons last year, where we kind of forgot about him, and then he came back like, oh wow, that's right, this guy's great. That would Fultz, be nice. That might not be faults to the T, but. You know, there's a chance he comes back, and we're like, "Oh yeah, holy shit! This is why this guy was the number one pick. He's terrific." I enjoy when Russ unveiled uh, Droopy Dog for the first time. Droopy Dog was good. Still not his best though. What's his best? Well, I like his Keith Pompey. That's what it is. That's what I mean. Oh yeah, right. Okay, Um, but also his. um, Oh God. Oh, man. Oh, his, his Godfrey is good. He gives a good Godfrey. There was another one he had. I can't remember what it was. He's yell, He's in his car yelling it right now, speaking in that voice. Well, is it Trump? No. He has another one that's really good, like shockingly good. Uh, is it you know what my other moment is, Kyle? Just reading all of the incredible iTunes comments from our supporters really is great. I really appreciate everybody. And and I will say one of my new favorite things is I like getting done this podcast and either when I go to the gym or if I go back to bed and then I either leave the gym or I wake up and there's there's like a few comments that are always like like uh, Wednesdays was like, man, you talked them off the pod. That's hilarious. And I was like, oh, man, it's not even like nine o'clock yet. And everyone's already listened to it. So that's awesome. But. I'll put that up there too. Russ seemingly being talked off the pod. That was that was great. Yeah, we get some people who who will respond to things thirty minutes into the podcast, thirty one minutes after it's posted. I appreciate those people. Yeah, those people are they hit play awesome. the minute it comes out. Um, all right, that's it for that should be it for today, I guess. Um, yeah, you we'll wrap. We're not sure. We should say we're not sure if we're going to do shows next week. Obviously, Monday's Christmas. It's not going to be a show. We may do one or two. It may not be at normal times. I think we, it's yet to be determined. So if you don't hear us next week, uh, we, we will be back in the new year. Um, and for information about whether yeah. we will or not, follow Kyle on Twitter at Crossing Broad. I am at Adam Lefko. Russell Joy, oh, what a joy he is, at Joy on Broad. Uh, Thank you guys so much. We'll keep you posted. We love you so much, and we'll talk to you soon.